everybody. This is Dave Hodges. I'm the host of The Common Sense Show, and we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. We're really glad, glad we could be with you. We've got a great, great guest in this segment, Paul Preston. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, pre-election, midterm, special, affected by the events in California, and we're going to really focus on New California and what's happening there. But before we go to Paul, just need to remind everybody, and i got to do my FCC thing. We are coming to you on Global Star Radio Network, Red State Talk Radio. Our home base is KYAH out of Ogden, Utah. We are also on megaphone.fm. You can listen to us on the Listen to Dave Live button on our website at thecommonsenseshow.com. And I think that's about it. Uh, I'm probably leaving something out. Sorry to the FCC, but life goes on. Paul Preston is from Agenda 21 Radio, and he's got uh, one of the top, if not the top, show on radio. Paul, welcome to the show. And before we get started, uh, I want to make sure people have it firmly implanted in their head how they can follow your groundbreaking shows that you seem to be setting a new marker for excellence and reporting every single day. I mean, the stuff you're putting out right now is unbelievable. So how do people follow you? Well, you can go to Agenda21Radio.news or you can go to A21R.com. Either one of those will get you to our our, uh, website and also to our podcasts and also to our live radio feeds that we get from uh, Red State Talk Radio, which are on Red State Talk Radio Monday through Friday live from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific, and that's, of course, 9 to 12 Eastern Time. Uh, we have a very, very large listening audience, and we're very, very grateful for everybody at Red State Talk Radio. Uh, as you know, Dave, um, it's quite a it's it's an exploding market over at Red State Talk, Talk Radio, yes, so we're very happy to be there. Uh, you can also visit uh, NewCaliforniaState.com because we are in charge of the New California State Movement, which is a, an exploding movement right now to create the 51st state out of. California called New California. So NewCaliforniaState.com. And you can also email me, Paul, at A21R.com, and I'll sort of, if you want to follow up with any information. Hey, I heard a rumor that some really important people in Washington, D.C. listen to your show. Well, I've heard those those rumors, too, yeah. And uh, um, I was on the Dave Janda show a couple weeks ago, and it's kind of interesting. Dave... Uh, prompted me uh, several days later and says, you will be on my radio show at 11.30 on Sunday. And, I've, you know, of course, that's kind of a very, very unusual request for an interview. I get a lot of interviews every day, but I've never quite had one like that. So I said, kind of like snapping attention, yes, sir. And uh, so I, I was on his show at, at that time. It was about a month ago. And Dave was uh, gave me a whole half hour, and he said, you were going to talk about nothing but New California. And so I started talking about New California, and about halfway through the interview, he, you know, he stops and says, well, you know, how do you think the president feels about New California? And I said, well, you know, I understand he, he's aware of New California, and I'm, I don't think he's probably going to be in an argument about yeah. the end results if we, you know, when we create New California, because it's going to be a very, very conservative rural state driven by rural populations. As, as you know, that's the big focus of everything he does, pretty much. And um, he said, well, he just paused for a long time, and he said, well, you know, Paul, the president is listening right now. That's uh, that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. And uh, I, I just I just marvel at, uh, well, let me say two things. One, I'm so glad President Trump is taking on the fake mainstream media. Oh, yeah. Uh, not easy for him to do, and I understand why he has to go to Twitter to do it. I get that. But I'm a, I, I, the only thing is, and I want to say this is kind of a precursor to where we're going tonight, 
I wish the president would have been more proactive in the lead up to the midterm elections because he needs our voice out there in the independent media. And I'm wondering if he could have done a little bit more to push back against the censorship that's going on, the illegal censorship, I should add. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think that um, I think he's been doing about all he can do right now. And, of course, a lot of it is going to play back in the days, I think, really in the days ahead. We're going to look back and go, whoa, wait a minute. He probably played this exactly right because, uh, you know, he could have overplayed his hand just exactly like the the left has overplayed their hand. And we're seeing that just, it's so blatant right now uh, how they're overplaying their totalitarian mindset, especially now with this, as we have been calling it, Dave, and you're very well a part of this. For the last several years, we've been calling for the fact that we're at some point in time going to see what we're seeing right now, which is really a full-on invasion. You cannot put it any other way uh, with this whole started with the the beta test as I called it with that Pueblo Sin Frontera business you know, sure, a couple months sure. ago I said that that was a beta test at the time and everybody did the right things by getting it stopped of course it was a test to see what our reaction was going to be and I think we, act, we reacted appropriately we just basically put them all in a big line and filtered uh, with the Mexican government uh, down from 10,000 down to just a few hundred but the, the big we knew what that was all about because we knew where this was all going, and that was going the way of Europe, where you have mass caravans of people. They're following the same exact script because it's the same exact actors that are trying to destroy um, Europe, that are trying to destroy the United States of America. And this is the first wave of that. And you'll see this, these, this, this grows, this whole caravan, as we've been saying, and as we were saying before about the nature of this, because we've, we've studied it and we talked to people, we have assets on the ground, and they talked to us and let us know what's going on. But this building effect that we're seeing now, they started out with 500 to 1,300 to 2,000. Now they're up to you know, 5,000 and growing. And my estimates, my people are telling me that we're well over 10,000 at this point in time. That's why I hear it doesn't seem to be stopping in growth as a mass mob. And you just saw the capitulation of the Mexican government today. They just said they're not going to handle it. It's not, it basically is not their game, even though they've made commitments to try and stop it. But they pulled back their, their, their military people, and these people were allowed to walk right on through. So they're a determined bunch, and all the, the signs and symptoms of George Soros and his operations, plus all the things, the deep state operations that we've been talking about, the training facilities in Honduras and El Salvador, all those things are coming to uh, home to roost, and they're coming up far away. And uh, what yeah. are we going to do about it is the big question. That's a good uh, point. Good point. You, what are we going to do about it? You're right. Yeah. Let, let me do a little fact-checking with you, okay, if that's all right. Uh, I had a source come to me with some really disturbing information that we'll develop a little later on in the interview. But he gave me a schematic tree to follow. And he said, this doesn't explain all of the immigration day, but he goes, this will cut the heart out of most of it. He said, it starts with Soros, who's working on behalf of the globalists, with moveon.org. And from there, it goes to open society. And then it goes to the Pueblo group that you talked about, Pueblo Centron. And then also involved is the air, uh, people that are fueling this and funding it, American Immigration Lawyer Association, IMLA. And then the Catholic Church, the Catholic Legal Immigration Services. Um, does that match with what you know? Yeah, the uh, Jesuits of America really uh, run uh, quite an operation here and there. You know, these, what people don't understand is that we're all for these organizations to try and help out. But when it becomes industrialized, when I mean help out, we'll help out with people that are coming across the border. I would say legally, I would hope. 
But when it becomes an illegal trade, when it becomes um, the mass, the mass migration or movement of Ill- illegal foreign nationals across our border, when they're breaking the law like this, this is called an invasion. And when it's being encouraged by these people that you just talked about, plus you know the Catholic Church of America um, or the Jesuits uh, of America, which are funding these whole things, a lot of a lot of the uh, organizations and church and uh, relief organizations that are on the American side of the border, which acts as an enticement and an inducement for these illegal foreign nationals, you have a whole different thing. You have what I call the trafficking in human flesh and slavery because, you know, a lot of these people, and it was interesting, I was listening to Griff Jenkins, finally somebody on Fox News or somebody out there publicly said what we've been saying for pounding on the table for years, oh, these people are having to pay anywhere from four to six to $8,000 to, to a coyote to come across the border. Well, that's an industry. <laughs> that's an industry by the cartels. And then when they get them across the border, there's another industry, and that's this industry you're talking about with all these different organizations that are getting billions and billions of our tax dollars to shelter, ha- feed, and, and clothe and take care of and educate all these people. And, of course, um, they've all been trafficked to get up here. And then where do they go from here? They get in our... Um, various relief aid, uh, organizations, you know, welfare and all this other stuff like we have here in California. We're just overloaded with it. We have the highest number of people on welfare of any uh, state in the nation, and it's mostly the illegal foreign nationals. Uh, and I don't fault the illegal foreign nationals. I fault the mechanisms, the players behind it, the cartels, the Soros's, the church relief organizations. They're all getting billions of dollars. This is not my idea of a Christian relief organization when they're exploiting these people. In a, in a really an open slave market, which is what this is right now. Besides the obvious human trafficking, and that's what this is, it may or may not be for sexual purposes, uh, may or may not be involved for drugs. I know they both are involved, though, but that's not the point. Here's the point that I'd like to put to you. Are these organizations here domestically inside the United States, the Catholic Im- Legal uh, Immigration Network, uh, you've got the American Immigration uh, lawyer association moveon.org and open society mm-hmm. are these people working to get these folks into the voting system prior to the midterm elections that's my understanding and that's exactly the, the information i'm getting all throughout california because you know we're doing the new california thing and we have contacts virtually in all 58 of our counties and uh, we get these reports all the time about the mechanism by which they get them. And what happens is that they end up transporting these individuals by bus, by cars, by vans. We've been hearing of caravans in U-Hauls um, containing people up through the Bay Area. They're being dropped off in varying communities, and they're going in, they're getting their DMV information, uh, getting a driver's license, um, able to also register to vote at the same time. So the voting numbers are exploding on the Democrat side right now. We have people that have 25 people, or uh, houses in some communities, where 25 people exist in one house alone. And this this is, I mean, they're, they're just filling up the houses, getting their drivers, and they're naturally, they're trying to impact uh, the vote. And of course, those of you that um, don't know anything about MoveOn.org, MoveOn.org is the King Kong kingpin of George Soros's operation. Joan Blades is her name. 
And anybody who's getting grants and money from uh, MoveOn.org or participating in MoveOn.org through surveys or whatever, and they have a chummy, chummy relationship with MoveOn.org, they are George Soros operations. And don't make any mistake about it. They are clearly, and they are involved in the trafficking of human flesh and slavery. And by extension, anybody who gets a grant from them is also involved in trafficking in human flesh and slavery or politically involved for some of these uh, stand-down moments or Antifa and all the violence that goes along with that because that's what George Soros is into. I think you just nailed it perfectly. And so is that what you're seeing? You're seeing the trend curve in California, Republican registrations versus Democratic, the Democrats are outpacing them, and by how much? Well, it's uh, something like uh, ten to ten to one oh at this God. point in time. So, yeah, there's, and of course, the, the Republican Party doesn't matter in California any longer. It's no longer existent. And I might add, also, I'm really hearing a lot of of um, what I would say is really complaints now from the Democratic Party that they don't matter either. A lot of Democrats that are, quote, the Democrats that you and I would traditionally know, they don't matter, and they don't. Uh, so, you know, we get the complaints. We're kind of like the the California State Complaint Center at, at uh, New California. We get the complaints from not only just Republicans, where as long as they are, our state's all screwed up, blah, blah. We're, we've been getting it really for the past, oh, three or four months intensely from Democrats that uh, want to be on board with New California. They say we are Democrats, but it's not our Democratic Party. It, it, it's really gotten a lot stronger I think the Kavanaugh thing really was the, the the real capstone event for all these Democrats that are that are fleeing um, the Democratic Party in California. I think you're right. So I've I wondered. I know you have no way to quantify this. I wonder about their defections versus their gains from illegal immigration. And I know that you told me in a private conversation that you felt it was possible to win multiple seats for the House and Senate from California based on uh, good developments in California courtesy of President Trump. Do you think that these this immigration wave is going to offset the possibility of that happening? Well, I think we're running the race right now to find that out. Uh, I think that um, it, you know we'll know in the next couple of days the direction of wherever these guys are going. We know right now that there's an overrunning of uh, the, borders, um, at the borders in Texas, We've seen that. That's, that's, that's actually being reported, but you know, you're not seeing so much from what's happening out in California. It seems to be a news blackout in uh, California. I know in Arizona, there, I did see one article today uh, that there is um, obviously mass you know, numbers of people coming across the Arizona border, but nothing yet as we've been able to see or discern from California just from the reports, but our own people tell us that they've been streaming across the border quite consistently for months now. Um, in doing the same tactic, they bring in the children first. It's a, you know, it's just a pat tactic, and that diverts all the um, resources, you know, from the the border protection, uh, allowing the illegals to come across the border unabated, and, and that's been going on quite a bit. I remember my congressman Paul Gozar, who's really been active in Congress, uh, trying to pry out all the illegal activities of, uh, well, Hillary Clinton and. Uh, all these other people. And in fact, he was one of the 11 that signed a letter to the DOJ saying, get off your ass and do something about this. And he told me in a conversation we had at a Republican event in January, he said, Dave, for them to win a national election, they literally would have to have uh, 10 million votes stolen. 
are they going to be able to steal enough votes, do you think, across the country in the midterms to make a big difference? Are they going to win back the House and Senate, in your estimation? That's a possibility. Um, the reason is, is that um, what we have discerned here is that the big thing in California that they're down to is protecting their illegal election system in California. Because California's election system is by far defunct. It is so corrupt, uh, especially in the bigger areas, your um, your urban areas such as the Los Angeles Basin and San Francisco and Sacramento that it's just worthless. It really truly is. Now, the one advantage that we have, which is a good one, is that the corruption has not necessarily split, spread to the other major areas, which are the ur- the rural areas of California. And a lot of the House seats, especially the ones that we're looking at, California has 53 House seats, and 14 of them are Republican, hello, and the other 39 are Democrat. We are actually looking at the possibility that we could flip an additional 16 coming our way. We could end up with as many as 30 total coming out of of, uh, members of the House of Representatives coming out of California this year because of that flipped and also because of the lack of corruption in the county and most of the counties in the rural areas where these members would come from and there are some tough races down in orange county and in north orange county and of course what the brilliant stroke was was two days ago or thursday friday yeah, uh, the president comes out and signs that memorandum of understanding to allow water to flow more freely and to ease the federal any federal um, environmental restrictions on water, especially in the, the southern Joaquin Valley, which is a, the, the southern portion of the Central Valley, as it's known. And, of course, this is where they have been draining water out of the dams and reservoirs up there for the last four or five years, creating this man, well, like six or seven years longer than that, um, this man-made drought, which is exactly what it is. It's a man-made drought enforcing farmers to follow their land, and thus the land being bought up by the Chinese by way of you know, by Richard Blum, which is, um, of course, uh, Diane Feinstein's husband. He's the biggest broker in the world. And he, who does he broker and sell land to? China. And they've been buying up all those uh, ranches and, and farms down there uh, because there's no water there. Well, there's plenty of water, and there always has been plenty of water. It's just the, the radical environmental laws of California with the Delta smelt and the so-called salmon. And they, when they, you know, it's kind of an interesting situation. You, you have the Merced, and you have the San Joaquin River in particular up there, and many other rivers and, and, and tributaries that are smaller that feed into the water system. And by the way, it was Jerry Brown in the '80s, not when he was the first. Remember, he had for two terms uh, from '76 to '84, and in 1980, he stopped the final building of the water project to California. The water project of California is only half built out. It was his dad and others that set up a, a masterful plan for a water system in California. It's, it's world-renowned for the largest delivery system of water to any place on the planet. But it's not built out completely. It's only halfway done. And it was Jerry Brown and his plans back in the 1980s to stop it, and he did. So we had we had 19 million people then, and now we have 40. And, of course, this plan, when it was originally devised, they, they built it out so that it would accommodate and we wouldn't have these problems up to 40 million people. Um, it was very far-reaching, and had they stepped 
had they stuck with it and not had it canceled by Jerry Brown back in 1980, we would have no problem with water today. And in fact, we still don't have the problem. The problem that we have is that we built these dams and reservoirs, and they put in a clause in one of the um, laws in California that said that we have to maintain rivers for fisheries. And of course, uh, they've taken that to uh, to the extreme. And what that means is, is that we're, since we have those dams and these reservoirs, gee, that water must be uh, made available all year long to drain uh, into the rivers and streams to, to prop up the fisheries. Well, that's a bunch of garbage because, you know, before we had rivers or before we had reservoirs and dams, um, you know, every fall, every late summer and fall, these rivers would dry up. And we had plenty of salmon and delta well there weren't delta smelt delta smelt wasn't even a native species it's an invasive species of fish so it, the whole it, the whole thing's a hoax it's an environmental hoax and that's what the president's finally called out and now he's made water that's going to be available from the federal government the restrictions have been eased by this memorandum and what that means is these farmers now are going to be able to farm Dave people don't understand that in parts of central California, all over Central California, a lot of these small farming communities, it's third world squalor. No yeah, running yeah. water, the toilets. The people go out and just dig holes, and that's just that's their toilet. This is this is all over California. It's complete poverty. And um, you know, I was listening to a speaker last night who was talking about the plight of California, and he was saying, you know, the California government right now technically doesn't work in most of California. To help stop these problems, you know, the people that are squatting, people that are, um, you know, have uh, running sewers or in, through their houses and stuff. Um, the government has been failing to deliver water to provide for the for the people, then proper sanitation. This is happening all over the state of California. And of course, we got thousands, tens of thousands of homeless people. This has all been because of Jerry Brown. But getting back to the water project. Uh, he came and signed that up, and of course you had uh, Devin Nunez and uh, McCarthy and, and several others that were running in close races. Having him come out and sign that, actually he was in Arizona, I believe he was in Mesa when he signed it, at, just before the Mesa rally. <clears throat> and um, he signed it. That's just been a huge, huge lift for those that are in the Central Valley that are running races right now on the Republican side. And that's why I say I think we're going to see a big <laughs> shift in representatives coming out of California. Rather than 14, we'll have at least 30 now that's going to come out of this election. That's going to that's going to end it for for a long time for the Democrats here in California. In your best in estimation, Paul. Why aren't we hearing about this potential flip to Republican in the rural areas of California on Trump-friendly networks like Fox? I know why it's not on CNN. I get that. Yeah, but yeah. it's nowhere else. I mean, we're no. the only ones talking about this. Yeah, the um, the Fox News people, a lot of them have flipped. I really believe that. I was listening to some of their Sunday program today with Leland Bittert. I don't want to mention his name, but the guy's a left winger for sure. He's he's more comfortable on CNN. He attacked every. They had several candidates come on his show, and he attacked. He did viciously was attacking him. I thought this is really different. You know, I mean, just Rachel Maddow ask and. Of course, that's what you're getting now. Yeah, you're getting, uh, I think, a shift over at Fox, which is too bad. Uh, some of the standouts are still there; they're doing a good job. But it's, um, you know, it's affecting them too at their level. They've got uh, the two brothers now that are running the show, and it's not like it used to be. What two brothers are you, are you talking? Are you, uh, you're talking about the people running Fox? 
Right. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And and I, you know this is this is their problem. It really is. And I I think that uh, something's going to happen, and I think there's going to be an evolution in the media. We're uh, we're actually right now, Dave. I think more people are listening and getting the news from you people like us. Which you know we're the citizen journalists. We stepped up years ago to become citizen journalists, and people are now listening to us. And it's really hard for them to compete with us because you know, gosh, Dave, we can we can do maybe two or three hours of research in the morning and have everything solved because we actually fact check and talk to people and interview people. Um, you know, it's it's uh, as you know, the citizen journalism thing is is quite interesting because it's obvious that the mainstream media can't even do some of the simplest things in terms of research to suss things out. Well, they don't do it no. sim- simply because of the fact that it doesn't do them any good to do it because they're handed a script. That's exactly right. They're just readers. Whatever the script calls for and whatever the, you know, it's hard for me to believe that, um, well, it's not really hard. I mean, you've been, you know, the East Coast business, and they don't understand anything out here in the West Coast. That, that um, it's pretty stunning, I know, when you get out. Uh, I was talking to one of the Fox hosts here last week, actually, and who hasn't been in California in quite some time. He's a native Californian. And uh, it was interesting. He's kind of lost some of the feel, too, and he admitted it. You know, because he's out, he hasn't been out as much as he should be. He was had a life out here and everything. It's different now. He sees that. He told, and he's he's doing an admirable, very excellent job of representing what's going on out here. But even he, you know, says it changes so quickly now, and it's been so uh, changed radically. Even over the last year, it's hard to keep up with all the things that are going on in California, especially demographically. And that's where this invasion has uh, had its effect. And of course, anytime you start, this is this is. Very, very typical when when you're trying to conquer somebody. This is how you do it oftentimes. And that's why this is clearly a, a case of a real invasion happening at our southern border. you got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, Mexico does not like us. Let, when there was World War II, they didn't stand with us. They stood with Nazi Germany. They stood with Germany in the first World War. And, of course, they didn't, you know, they're not, they're not really fond of us. And this whole Viva La Raza business and... Um, the Amecha movement, which is a, to take over California, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas because of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hildago, um, this whole thing's real, and you're seeing it play out right now. There's a real thought process and a real planning that's gone in behind this, and uh, real people trying to hurt real Americans on this side of the border now. Well, that's true, and not only real Americans, but real Americans' representatives with the mad Maxine Waters approach to violence. Yeah, it's really kind of difficult, you know, when you're trying to, when you're, when you think it's your um, elected officials are on your team and they're actually on, you know, it's the, you just might as well be on the side of Hitler in World War II with what these people are doing. But this is this is cultural Marxism. It's all that and more. Um, they're de- then that gets the Democratic Party's problem. They, they're just not the Democrats we all used to know. They're not. And we have to uh, kind of um, admit to that and move on, and that's exactly what Donald Trump's doing. But um, we've seen this for a long, long time, and you know, Dave, you've seen it in education years and years and years ago, all these things approaching, and all of a sudden it's here now. But I look forward to um, some big events in the next several days, especially as this crowd starts to build and build and build. And actually, this will be the first time that our country has ever been invaded or a threat of an, a full-on invasion by foot in our nation's history. 
Hmm. Well, I agree. We're talking to Paul Preston from Agenda 21 Radio, and uh, we're going to be back with Paul in just a minute. I just wanted to let you know that we've got a couple of sponsors that bring the next segment of this program. They make it possible for us to bring it to you. And uh, just basically want to talk to you about Trade Genius for a second. People are making money hand over fist with Trade Genius. Now, not everyone who invests makes money, but Trade Genius has a unique three-step approach and right now they got specials you can get in. It's really low. All you got to do is mention my name to take advantage of these specials. They're embedded into the website address I'm going to give you. And find out why people are telling me by the droves. Dave, thanks for referring me to Trade Genius. You're welcome. And to the rest of you, check it out. See if it's right for you. Go to tradelikeagenius.com. That's tradelikeagenius.com. Also, the best programming. The top channels, Discovery, ESPN, thousands of movies, great sporting events. If you're paying more than $30 a month, I think you owe it to yourself to check out the programming here and see if you like what you see. $30 a month is what cheap cable TV provides. Great service. I've got it. i got to tell you, folks, this is really the way to go. Uh, what are you paying for cable? What, 200 300 a month? $30 a month. CheapCableTV.com. Well, we're talking to Paul Preston. And, and Paul, one of the things that, that you really piqued my curiosity about when you were speaking here was the fact that uh, uh, the immigration that's coming across with California. Um, I have good sources, a really good deep cover source, that approached me yesterday, and he said, part of me almost wishes that the Democrats would take back the House and Senate because what they have planned, the operational intelligence coming out that is known, he said, to many people in the government is that if they're not successful with the blue wave and trying to steal the election through fraud, that it's chemical, biological, and nothing's off the table. They're going to try to create such chaos that you won't even recognize America. And that was his phrase. You will not recognize this country any longer. Does this match with anything at all that you're getting? Yes, it's matched actually uh, with year over year for about the last seven or eight years um, of the, the, the intelligence that we've been able to gather at Agenda 21 Radio from all of our sources. This matches exactly um, what part of the game plan is supposed to be for these folks. Can you give me any operational details that you've been told? Well, there's, um, there's, there's uh, first of all, one of the things that they wanted to try and do, of course, was uh, it recruit and get up on board the, um, the, you know, many of the gang elements here in California. And of course, they've they've enlisted and gotten, as you know, through the cartels, many many of the gang elements, which is now infiltrated all across the nation. I can remember as a school administrator back in the day, um, in the 80s and 90s, and going through the whole gang thing in Southern California and understanding what happened. And, you know, I always thought that what was happening when the, at this time, or at that time, was that this is like a training ground for a, a possible type of event that could overcome, that overtake the country. And then, of course, later on when I started learning about the real deep penetration, I'd gone to Mexico several times. And learned. I knew all about Mecha and La Raza because we were facing off with Mecha and, and La Raza in the public schools at the time. And that doesn't mean that the Mexican community or this, the Hispanic community was in board with these folks. They weren't, and they still are not today. They're quite radicalized on the on the northern part of the border, and a completely different uh, sect down in in, in uh, Mexico. But when you go down and, and visit down there, like I was doing with one of these um, one of our 
fraternal organizations in doing charity work and orphanages and things like that in every one of the classrooms in all the classrooms that I would visit because we'd go for, to about 10 different orphanages there was always this map that showed in every classroom that showed Mexico but Mexico was not the traditional map we would see in this country it was the traditional map that was um, held in Mexico with Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California and Nevada and Colorado and Utah they they were in parts of Oregon they were all part of Mexico and that was the Mexico the kids were learning about and so the La Raza Oslan business was being pumped right into these kids' minds, and of course, this is what we have today. Um, these kids are, are the living result of that, and they believe this is their territory. So you got the psychological aspect of everybody learning or thinking that this is their country, it's not our country, so gringos must go type mentality. And that was something that was put in operation years ago through La Raza and Mecha, and then I think made operational through a lot of the gang units, and then ultimately. Uh, we've seen, we've witnessed for ourselves this invasion that has gone on, the demographic shift of, of America with o- the Obama administration. Dave, we, as you know, we were reporting on the caravan, the busing, and so on that's been going on. And now it's going on even more so than ever before all throughout this nation as these people are being loaded up. They get across the border, loaded up on vans or buses, and, and taken inland to various communities where oftentimes some of these communities are very, very small. They come in, and there's more people in the vans than there is actually in the communities. They overwhelm the communities, Cloward and Piven style. This is part of the, the big operational part of it, and what we're seeing right now, I think, is the end um, the, the actual invasion part of it that's seen to put us on notice, and they're really going to test us to see what we're going to do in reaction to this. Other, if we don't do something and stop it, then we know what the end result's going to be. There's going to be a lot more that are going to come. And uh, so we're seeing just that part of it play out. But the other part that's really most bothersome is that we have been getting reports for years now of weapons catches, of weapons and people being transported with weapons, even uh, shoulder-fired missiles and things like that. And, of course, you look back at the history of um, what happened with Leland Yee, the sent this California state senator who was, uh, who was uh, mixed up with Raymond Shrimp Boy Chow, and he was running guns from Subic Bay into New Jersey, from New Jersey over to the United States. That was his plan, and they were these shoulder-fired missiles. They were designed to shoot down aircraft in California of a major airline. That's what we were told. That was all stopped by a couple of very, very courageous FBI agents, and I don't want to mention where or when, but um, they stopped that. And, of course, who was right there with it? Oh, the driver, the aide to guess who? Diane Feinstein. The Chinese communist spy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to be to jump in there, but I was so excited because I it just hit me. I mean, this is collusion. She's this is proof that Diane Feinstein is a traitor. Yeah. You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And you know, it's interesting. These two um, very, very courageous um, FBI agents saw saw the light in this, and they said, uh, and they stood up to Obama, from what I understand at the time. And, you know, sure, down in California's uh, state capitol, you had Leland Yee, who not only had one Senate office where he conducted his so-called stand-up business, but then he had another second Senate office apparently given to him by, you know, and helped by the uh, existing California legislature, another Senate office where he did his covert activities arranging for the smuggling of these weapons. 
I mean, that's right out of the capital of California. I mean, how and Jerry Brown's governor, of course. I forgot oh, how, how could I not mention that Jerry Brown's governor? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Hello, how embarrassing. I mean, this is the this is why we have a dictatorship in California. This is the monoparty system at work, and um, you know, people don't connect these dots and see that this is stuff that's been going on building for a long time. And now, right now, they're in a bad spot. Um, their bad spot is that they thought that they were going to have Hillary Clinton as president and Donald Trump is president, and they're slip-sliding away, and they know that what Donald Trump is doing right now is rounding up the usual suspects. And a lot of people aren't, where's John Brennan and all this? Oh, he's just suddenly disappeared. I wonder why. Where's John McCain? Well, of course, John McCain passed away. Um, where are some of the other detractors? Where's Comey? We haven't heard anything from Comey. And actually, where's where's Robert Mueller? Hello? I know he says, oh, he's got plans. He's staying out of the, the whole thing, and he's going to release a report after the election. <laughs> I bet he is. No, <laughs> bet no, he... that's bull. Yeah. If he had a report to release, he'd be releasing it now. Well, the Democrats would already have it out. Exactly. Exactly. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. Two years of BS and nothing to show. Isn't it time that Trump shut down Mueller's investigation? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I, I think that um, what's really happened is to. I, I love what's happened to Rod Rosenstein. I, if you let me take a second, I love telling the story because it's just so classic Trump. You know, you're Rod Rosenstein, and um, Monday morning you wake up, and you're up there. You know, you've got your toothbrush, and you're 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 getting ready to go to work, and you're brushing your teeth, and all of a sudden it comes over the news: Rod Rosenstein resigned today. So Rod Rosenstein's brushing his teeth, and he's listening to this report, and he goes, "I resigned today." <laughs> And so he, he he's getting dressed, and everybody, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CB, all of them have, Rod Rosenstein resigned, Rod Rosenstein resigned, Rod Rosenstein resigned. He goes out and gets in his car, and the guy says, I'm sorry, I didn't resign. He said, what is it? Everybody thinks I'm, I've resigned. I wake up Monday morning, I've resigned. Not, not true. So he's trying to get a hold of the president, but nobody mentions that a couple of, last, the week before that, Rod Rosenstein tried to get a hold of the president. And guess what? The president never returned his call. So he tries to get a hold of the president. Oh, I'm sorry. The president's in New York and is unavailable to talk to you. So that goes on. <laughs> he gets to work and he goes, oh, sorry, bro. I didn't resign. So later on in the day, check it out. Later on on that Monday, the, the word gets out he didn't resign. Well, obviously, he got fired. <laughs> the rumor then is he got fired. <laughs> So he's gone from bad to worse, you know, than that Monday, and he's not able to get a hold of the president. So finally, I guess late Tuesday, he did get a hold of the operator who responded, the president will see you on Thursday. Don't be late. I love it. <laughs> and, of course, what did they do? They got on Air Force One and flew off to Miralago. And, you know, all of a sudden, when they got done with the flight, it was a whole different Rod Rosenstein, now wasn't it? Um, <laughs> he got he got flipped. Uh, he got flipped. Yeah, That's pre- what, I didn't my, know I didn't know President Trump was good at judo, but that man got flipped on Air Force One. Well, because Air Force One is where, um, as I understand it, the president is the only one of the only safe places he can go and have a conversation, not be spied on by his own staff. Well, what's he going to do about that? I know I'm digressing here for a moment. But, <laughs> he's going to take more flights, Dave. That's why he's doing all the campaigning on Air Force One. <laughs> and they don't know what he's doing. 
People don't know what he's doing. He's just gone silent. He's you know he's popping up here, popping up there. He's got a schedule. They can't they can't break in. See, the Air Force One is a skiff. No data can come in or out. Period. No data. Nothing. So whoever who, whoever it is that he picks up on Air Force One, you know he's having a meeting with somebody that, and you can kind of you have to kind of extrapolate it out from there. <laughs> This guy's brilliant. I mean, he's so far ahead of these folks, it's not even funny. Do you think, and I'm looking ahead post-election, if it goes well, do you think there's any truth to the rumor that Mattis has appointed a new commander at Gitmo and they're expanding operations? You know, I um, I keep hearing these things. I can't really, um, uh, you know, I can't really comment on that. <laughs> I, I mean, I've I've been told some things, and I'm I'm just not willing to s- speak about it at this point in time. So you're neither, excuse me, Paul, neither confirming or denying. You're not able to speak to it. Is that correct? Cannot. No, I can't. Okay, okay. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but this is something that crossed my desk, and I was told you can talk about it, but if you mention me, I wouldn't want to be you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I like. <laughs> That's uh, pretty much how it was said. And I said, okay. I said, well, I've got a guest uh, coming up that I am going to would raise this point with. And and he said to me, okay, so now I've narrowed down to 50% of the population. He said to me, well, if he speaks, someone's telling him that you wouldn't want to be Paul Preston if he speaks out on this. Right. He, told, he told me this. Cause I even right. said, he said, who's your guest? I said, well, I'm going to ask Paul. And he says, uh, well, he ain't talking either, I guarantee you. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to go any further because the conclusions start to become obvious, and that's I, not what I'm trying to do here. I hate to, you know, I, I, I'm i so giddy right now. And the people in my, my radio audience goes, God, you've just kind of changed. You've gone from the series. All of a sudden, you're laughing. You're having good. Well, you know, it's popcorn and soda pop time. We get to watch it happen now, and it is happening. You know, you got a $10 million um, bounty now. On this El Mention or whatever his name is in uh, what do you call it in Mexico or in uh, Chicago, right? I mean, look at what, look at this look at this guy. Um, you know, ten. He's a big gun hustler in um, you know in Chicago, and Sessions put out a ten million dollar uh, bounty on his head. <laughs> I mean, this is getting to be really good. And what's that doing to Rahm Emanuel in Chicago? And again, what's what's happened now to Jerry Brown out here in California? He's all neutered now. And what will happen to Javier Becerra in California? My the my source told me directly he's going to jail. That's a that's a news gatherer. That he's going to jail. Well, let's see why Javier Becerra should go to jail. Remember, he hired the Awan brothers when he was a when he was in the house on behalf of Wasserman Schultz. Right. Well, I think Wasserman and Schultz kind of caught on later. I think the spearhead of the whole thing had to have been Javier Becerra. This was in 2004 he hired them. This would have been probably on behalf of John Podesta, if you're, you making, if you're making the link I'm making. Yeah. And, and again, Hillary Clinton's server and all this other good stuff. Well, that's why Podesta, because that would be the front man. That's the firewall right. for the cover-up. That's exactly right. Uh, Becerra, he's a lucky man to be alive. I mean, uh, uh, who was the Florida prosecutor, federal prosecutor, that was looking at Wasserman Schultz? Yeah, Bond. exactly. Yeah, found, found dead on the beach and called a suicide with a bludgeoned head. So he bludgeoned himself to death. That's no, about no, his... that, that was, that was um, Bondi is the current one. Oh, no, I'm talking about the one that <laughs> yeah. happened 
in the same time frame of the Seth Rich murder. It happened yep. a couple months after Seth Rich. Yeah, I don't remember who that is, but I know you're talking about. African-American gentleman, lawyer, federal prosecutor, found bludgeoned to death on the beach, and he was looking into who? Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the Awan brothers. Right. And uh, Javier Becerra is all mixed up in that. And he's running for attorney general uh, now. Uh, He was appointed after he replaced um, Kamala Harris. I mean, it's just amazing, the, the names popping up here. Um, but, but he replaced Kamala Harris as California's attorney general, and it was Kamala Harris and Jerry Brown uh, when Jerry Brown first became governor for the third term, illegally in my opinion, for the third term. He becomes governor of the state of California, and Kamala Harris um, becomes his attorney general. Well, it was Jerry Brown, before he was governor, was the attorney general of California. So they both conspire. Are you ready for this? So that by the end of, what, 2010 or early 2011, after they've been elected, they conspire to do away with the Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement in the California Department of Justice. 400 people who were stopping the cartels, and they were doing the so-called camp programs. That's where they go in and clear out the marijuana grows and prevent the, you know, the destruction of our environment over here in California. He cleared them out. And, of course, what that was is an open invitation for the cartels to run amok in all the foothills of, of California, beautiful foothills of California, being raped by the, the drug cartels with their marijuana grows. Sure, sure. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Well, let me get to one of the more intriguing questions, I think, if I say so myself, here in this interview, Paul. As you know, I went out to San Diego between the 5th and the 8th of October, and on the way out, I saw troops against the border, American troops, uh, and they were—they had this ground oscillating radar. I didn't get pictures because of the traffic circumstances and being on the wrong side, going the wrong direction. But coming back, I did get pictures. Now, I didn't see that equipment, but I saw troops in a different location east of Yuma, Arizona, about 60 miles east of Yuma, and they were up against the border fence, and there were a lot of them. And we stopped, and we took pictures, and they didn't like it, and they started off towards us, and we went, well, we better get out of here, and we got in the car and ran off, but not until we got some pictures. We're already militarizing the border, and let me tell you what I've been told, and I told you this earlier today in our pre-interview conference. I've been told by one of my better sources, they can't mention agency or anything like this, he said that those troops are there to move into Southern California if and when they go into insurrection because the blue wave fails. Right. What do, you know, I, what do you know about this? Well, I know that um, there's been a lot of um, a lot of talk about what's going to happen to California um, for a number of different reasons because, you know, the new California state movement is uh, we're growing and getting more stronger and people are starting to find out and important people are really starting to find out what we're doing. Um and, you know, we're doing it the right way to form a new state, but, you know, we understand that we're on the verge of civil war in California and also throughout the rest of the nation. That's really what this is all about. I hate to break it to you, anybody that's listening here, um, but this is really what's coming down. At least this is what the other side wants. Nobody here on this side wants it. And, of course, we've always said in our new California state movement that this is a peaceful process to form a new state. However, we are prepared uh, to follow the same process that West Virginia followed when they formed their state in 1861 at the beginning of the Civil War. 
And what we are preparing to do, in fact, we had our second constitutional convention, and we didn't get through all the <clears throat> all the final details of this yet, but we all we need to do is make the vote. But we uh, are planning to put together not only our own constitution with the elements of the constitution that um, will be part of our constitution, because it's going to take three years to build the constitution. We understand how that works. Um, but we're doing the, the pre-work right now. But one of the things that we're doing is we're going to form the reformed government of California. And that will be acting in lieu of and um, ain't no government at all. In other words, there's a strong possibility that, Cal- that California will go into insurrection, especially now with what we're hearing about what's happening at the border, what you're telling me and what other people are telling me, which are not too different. Um, that there could be an, an insurrection as early as just next week or within the next two weeks. So this is something, especially as they push and push and push and gather more people, I'm, I'm suspecting it. Don't be surprised that as this um, caravan moves north that you're going to see twenty five to 30,000 people pressing at the border. They tried this as a beta test back when the Pope Francis trip took place. And we had a guy... Uh, Ted Hayes Ted Hayes I was working with at the time a black activist out of Los Angeles and he was very very close to Pope John Paul and he doesn't like Pope Francis one bit because he understands that this invasion coming from the south is displacing uh, American citizens and of course the black community is the first to suffer and so he's he, that's his activism and he was putting up a fit because it was uh, Pope Francis and his people around him that were threatening to march across the border. And one of the borders, I think it was in Nogales, if I'm not mistaken, but he, he came down there and he had a, a large service at the border. And he didn't come across the border. Now, you can go check this out and look it up. But you can thank Ted Hayes for putting up such a fuss and for calling out all of his friends to put pressure on the Pope and the papacy in Rome to not do that. Now we have this. Now, as I understand it, it was close to 100,000 people there at the border down there with the Pope at the time. So that wouldn't surprise me as they gain more and more steam that they actually are at a point where they're going to have so many people down there at the border that they just come marching across unabated. Now, that's, if that happens, now if that happens, this this is war. There's, and they're using again, you know, as as cowards would use. Um, they're using our own laws against us, and they're they're of course they're being illegal, folks. They're being illegal. Hello, <laughs> and um, and they're, they're putting they, the women and children at the front of the line to protect. Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly, and you know, boy, there's something else here too. Do you know back in December here? Outside of Yuma, do you know the federal government ran exercises where they simulated taking in 400,000 immigrants from California? Did you know they did that drill? Yes, I heard about that. Yeah. It kept very quiet, but it was in our local media. And I turn on CNN, nothing. Turn on Fox, nothing. But it was on our local media here. I saw it on both Channel 3, our independent station in Phoenix, and Channel 5, our CBS affiliate. Both stations ran the story. And then I was able to look it up and verify it. Paul, we're kind of in mid-sentence here with this whole thing. We're going to have to do a quick follow-up sooner rather than later. Uh, right. Because I wanted to do more on New California because I know there's a lot of developments. But, boy, this midterm election and all these chicanery events going on, it's really kind of pressing the point here. Uh, by the way, I will tell you what else I was told. 
that insurrection is scheduled to start a couple days before the election. You know, most elections are decided in the last 72 hours when when the undecideds make up their mind. And that's when they're going to have this border skirmish. At least that's the prevailing belief. Paul, we've been talking to Paul Preston here from Agenda 21 Radio. And you can see there wasn't enough time to do a really thorough interview because the events are happening so quick and they're so voluminous. So we're going to have him back soon. This is unbelievable stuff. But if you want to track Paul every day, Agenda 21 Radio, 6 to 9 a.m. Pacific Time. And that is Monday through Friday. Paul, excellent reporting. Keep up the great work, my friend. Thank you very much, Dave, and best of luck. Thanks, you.